Good morning, everybody. <laughs> How you doing, Carl? It's good to see you. <laughs> good to be with you this morning. My name is Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. Good to have you with us. And uh, I'm still recovering. I, I feel like a hamburger. I just lots of hamburgers and hot dogs and vegetables. We were grilling out last night. We had about six grills, I think five of them going, and had a great time uh, doing our own thing back there and watching college students come up and just eat uh, and have a good time together there at the quad. Uh, it was great, and I am exhausted. I am exhausted from it. So uh, this this week has been a tough week for me. I've been uh, putting in a lot of a lot of auto glass, and I was asking the Lord if He would help me with this lesson, and He gave me these points I'm going to share with you today in about 30 seconds. I kid you not. And so I thought, okay, you want these said? This is what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to be looking at those in just a minute. We're in this series uh, on working faith, and today I want to talk about chemistry. It's interesting to me that, that your job description, what I'm discovering in the Scriptures and discovering as just a Christian man, is that my job description, your job description, is bigger than you might think. That it's not just, you know how you get that job description, you might, when you start work, you're going to answer the phone, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And God says, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, Tim. A lot more than putting in glass or working on this car or uh, ordering product. There's a lot more going on here at work, Tim, that you need to see. Like what, Lord? Well, there's my work. There's my work that I want to see done. I'm hoping in this series we're getting that, that we understand that, that our job description is much broader that's why we've been looking at what the Bible says about work, the workplace. Incidentally, if you think about it, the early church started and thrived because of the marketplace, because of what happened in the marketplace, in the workplace. Um, and this is, this is no stranger to, to modern Christianity. Let me read a few quotes to you here. This is from A.W. Towser. He says, Let us believe that God is in all our simple deeds. Learn and learn to find Him there. Let every man, listen to this, let every man abide in his calling and let all his work be as sacred as his work in ministry. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. Ah, why do I work? Determines whether it's going to be something secular or something sacred. A guy by the name of Doug Spada said this, the workplace is where a majority of the congregation spends a majority of their time interacting with a majority of the unchurched world. Then he says this, The church on Monday is evidence that the church on Sunday is real. What you do tomorrow, you show up for work tomorrow, whatever it's going to be, Brian's not you know, She's a nurse at school. She's going to show up tomorrow. I know she's going to have her faith ready. She's going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this day? What kid's going to come in? You know, as pretty as she is, she gets lots of boys coming in. I don't feel good. And she gets a chance to meet all these kids and working at school. Some of you here work in factories. Some of you here put, put auto parts on or you're, or you're working at a desk. And you're going to show up tomorrow morning. I know this from this series. I'm doing it. It's happening to me. We're going to show up tomorrow morning. Even if it's at home on a computer or on a tractor, we're going to show up going, well, God, what do you want me to do with this day? I'm going to give you work. I'm going to work. Help me work in a way that pleases you. You're going to spend 40%, we've been saying this, 40% of your time working. It's going to rival the time that you spend with your family when you stop and think about it. You're going to get to know these people in the workplace. They are going to be like family to you. And um, that's why we're looking at this. I also want to say something else just to make sure we're clear here. I've learned a lot from work. From the workplace. I remember as a 20 year old, 18, going to my first job, and it wasn't very long I was called in the office and I got reamed. I was in the tool room and I made this part, and and, uh, my foreman says, Tim, could you come in here for a minute? Sure. I walk in, he goes, Did you make this part? Yes, I did. I was proud of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. What's this little mark here? I go, Well, I put that there. What is that? Oh, it's six dots in an arch, and I put a dot in the middle. That's my mark. That way I know I've made the part. He goes, oh. And then he grabs it and he throws it as hard as he can. And it goes through the wall, through the drywall in the office. And he starts cussing me out and giving me a hug. I'm going, I'm shaking him. I'm getting fired. He goes, 
let me tell you what I think of your craftsmanship. And I'm going, what? And he goes, well, you know, when you made that little dot there, and they made those little dots there, for your mark, so everybody would know you made it. Yeah, and he goes, well, when we heat treat this, it cracks right there. So all the parts that you made are ruined. And so after a little more profanity and descriptive dialogue, he sent me out. I could have crawled under the door. I remember one time we were working on a, a die. It was a, it's a, a die is a piece of, it's a contraption you make that stamps out parts. A press goes, and the steel goes like this as it goes. Every time it goes up, it moves to another station, and it makes a part. And it was making these parts for an oil filter. If you ever take an oil filter in Walmart and turn it upside down, you see this silver thing with a gasket. That's called a, 30, a 3501 backplate. You say, well, how did you know that? Because I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. I've gotten yelled at a lot over that little part. And I just remember one time that this part was down. So the whole plant is shut down. And here is the, the head of the, the R&D department. Here is the head of the tool and die department. Here was the president of the company. The president of the company in his suit is standing there. And here's my foreman. And I walk up. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm making real goofy, cracking jokes. And my foreman. I look at the other three guys. They don't seem impressed. My foreman is boiling. He says, hey, Tim, get over there and sit down and go play with your dolls or something. We haven't got time to mess with you. We're men. And it seems like you want to be a little boy, so go over there and sit down. Well, I crawled. I learned a lot. I went, oh, I need to learn how to keep my mouth shut. Still learning that, by the way. I, I learned that I need, I need to be a team player. I, I learned a, there's a lot of things you just learn at work about your character, about your, your values. They get challenged. They get shaped. And they get developed. I had a guy yelling at me that was saying the same thing my dad said, but I wasn't paying attention to him for some reason. But this guy who's unrelated, I'm learning a lot from I realized, well, maybe it wasn't personal. Maybe it was, I've got an issue I need to have dealt with. And so I've learned a lot from work. I've also learned there's been those times when, Tim, can I call in the office? Really? You want me to come to the office? I don't want to go. No, I want to tell you something. You did an excellent job on this project. And I want to have you team up with a couple of other guys, and I want you to go troubleshoot this problem, because I think you're the kind of guy that can figure that out. You know, that, those, the, I, learned some, I learned from encouragement. I learned from correction. I learned from mistakes. But most of the time, it was in the workplace. Most of the time. That was the real world that my mom and dad were trying to tell me about, tried to warn me about, tried to motivate me with. So we're going to learn, we learn a lot about life and a lot about living in the workplace, when we're working, when we're doing something. Now, what I want to share with you this morning before we get into this lesson is what I call the five C's of employment. And this is a collection of C's that I've, co I've collected over the years from people like Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, and uh, John Maxwell. They all have their C's. These are the five that I have found. To me, I believe employers are looking at when they hire you uh, and, when, and when they fire you and when they promote you. The first one's competence. We've already talked about competence. Competence is what? The education and skill set I have. Can I do the job? And so I go to school to learn that job. And then, then I also hone those skills and work on those skills. Joseph had competence. That's an example. Number two is character. And we've talked about character. we talked about being a person. Or am I reliable? Can I be trusted? You know, the greatest compliment your boss can give you is he doesn't worry about you because you're there and he knows you'll take care of it and you'll do it right. Not right away, but right you're a stickler on that. You want to do a good job. And so you can be trusted. You're reliable. You have, you're a person of integrity. Here's a third one maybe I don't know if you ever think about. It. I think about it often. That's capacity. Bill Hybels talked about that one time. So I put it on my list. Well, what's capacity? I thought you said capacity last week, Tim, had something to do with competence and skills. And if you do look at the word, it does mean capability or abilities. It does. But it also can indicate the amount of space something has. This auditorium has a seating capacity of blah, blah, blah. A school bus has a seating capacity of 60 or 50 or whatever size bus it is. Well, what's capacity? Capacity is the idea of what I can handle. See, I know people that are competent and they even have the character, but they can't handle the responsibility. 
It's too much. It's too much. So, so capacity is the ability or the, the, the space of, of how much I can handle, how much responsibility um, I can take. Here's another C. And this one here is called commitment. And this one to me is, matters to me very much and matters to a lot of people. And that is, am I committed to the job? Well, how many times people will get a job but they're still looking? They get a job, but they're still looking. They're only using that job as a stepping stone. You say, well, you mean once I get a job, I've got to stay there? No. But you know what you're saying to your employer when you, when you get hired and you're already looking for another job? He can't count on you. She can't count on you. You know, am I committed to the work? Am I not committed to the company, although I, that could include it, but am I committed to, to the work, to the job I've got? When there's a problem... Um, a scheduling problem or I, I can't make it sometimes. I don't take advantage of leave. I don't take advantage of, of situations. But I try to find it because I'm committed to the job. I really want to make sure it's, it's done. But then there's the, the fifth one, and that's chemistry. Chemistry. I had uh, James Lampley this morning. We were praying about this lesson. We pray over our sermons. And he said, you know, Tim, the thing about chemistry is you put a little bit too much of this, a little bit too much of that in there, kaboom! <laughs> And I go, well, so good chemistry. We want to have good chemistry. What is chemistry? Well, is it, do I work well with others? Do we have a camaraderie? Is it a good fit? Because again, you can have people that are experienced, that have great character, that have great capacity, and they've got a commitment to the job, but they don't get along with everybody. They're kind of an independent rogue. They're a know-it-all. They kind of stay to themselves. And see, for, for the workplace, and by the way, a lot of workplace drama occurs over this issue here. Do I have chemistry? Am I, am I right, Jim? It's true. It's a lot, a lot of that chemistry, a lot of that drama comes from he rubs me the wrong way. And I want to say this again to you. I know that sometimes we have people that we work with. First of all, we're not used to even talking about work at church. They did a survey and they said 80 to 90% of the people in churches have never heard a sermon on work. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. That's, that's hard for me to swallow. But, but this idea that sometimes we have conflict with people, whether it be at the workplace or in ministry, in our ministries, because we're working together as a church, or conflict in our marriage. See, I want you to understand is that what we're talking about, these principles we're looking at, can be applied not just the company I'm at, but the company I keep. The, the ministries here, the teen ministry. You really need to listen to this one today. Because you need chemistry if you're going to make it together. The campus ministry. You really need to listen to this one. Because when you can't get along, you're going to get nothing done. And young adults, if you're not on the same page... What are you doing? And church, as a general, as an audience, the adult audience, if we're not having sharing the same goal and same purpose, what are we doing? Add to that now, you teens have got to learn to work with campus. You've got to connect with the campus. Young adults, campus, you've got to connect together. There's got to be some continuity here. There's got to be some chemistry between you. Otherwise, the transitions are really ugly. And there's lots of hiccups. People are coming into other ministries with different purpose and different goals that aren't just a shade different, starkly different. And that dog ain't going to hunt, folks. That ain't going to work. We've got to be on the same page. Church, you want to be on the same page. I want to tell you, you've got to, you've got to come to these events sometimes and just watch our young people in action. They are focused. They are focused. And I tell you, when you're slicing up vegetables and you're cooking for them and you're watching them meet people, I'm watching, I watch Mike Danius take a couple of campus students. Hey, you want, I want you to meet somebody and take them over to Nathan and Michael. Hey, I want you guys to meet these, these two guys. That's a big deal. Because we're really there not to cook vegetables and hot dogs and hamburgers and listen to some, you know, I guess it's music. I'm working on it. My ribcage shook. But there's a bigger purpose in that, see? There's a bigger purpose in that. We have to be on the same page on this. We have to have chemistry. We've got to learn to work together well together. Look at what it says here in Ecclesiastes 4. In the Bible it says, two people are better than one. When two people work together, circle 
two people work together. It says, when that happens, what happens, Solomon? Well, they get more work done. Well, that's easy. Of course you get more work done. Mother Teresa said it this way. You can do some things better than I. You can do some... And he says, and she goes, I can do some good things better than you. But when we do it together, we do amazing things. When you bring more than one person... And by the way, none of us here work alone. We really don't, we don't have to, but we, do, we really don't work alone. You've not gotten where you've gotten and I've not gotten where I've gotten without help, without a team of people, family, friends, employers, employees. But notice it says when you pool them together, they get more done. Look at this other translation, how it translates Proverbs. Because Proverbs is a difficult book to translate. Look how it says it. Two people are better than one because together they have a good reward for their hard work. 65, 70% of American workers today are not happy where they're working. And I think that's why. They're not working together. They're not very happy where they work. Because there's a, there's a, there's a lack of chemistry. Because the Bible says when two people get together and they start working together, God rewards them. It's rewarding when you have chemistry. So how do I have chemistry? Well, chemistry, again, it matters because it's working. Working with other people makes, it re- makes work rewarding. So how do I develop chemistry? How do I work well with others? Well, let me give you these thoughts that God gave to me in just about 30 seconds. I'm not going to give you, tell you in 30 seconds, but I'm going to try to get closer. All right, all right, here we go. I will work well with others, number one, when I share the same goal. I just got to ask, are you, guys, are you promoting continuity? Do you promote continuity in the church where you work in your ministry? Are you working, are you working toward having an atmosphere that says we're in this together and we're going to do this together? We're going to sink or swim together on this. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs. Here's Solomon's observation about insects. Locusts have no king. In other words, they have no supervisor, they have no foreman, they have no boss over their shoulder. But they are able to work together. Hmm. Locusts. You ever read about locusts? You know that the locust plagues are just devastating. I mean, one locust is not that big a deal, right? You find one in your house, oh wow. But if they all get together, look out. One translation says they march in ranks like an army. And I've seen movies where, where they show the locust plague coming and it's like they just, no army can stop it. God compares His army with the locusts and used the locusts to discipline His people. See, it's hard to get anything done when you're on different pages. I was reminded... Nancy uh, Grove reminded me about some a woman that one time said about her marriage. Says uh, they asked her, "Are you on the same page?" Because man, we're not even in the same room or the same book. You know, we got to get in the same book before we can get in the same page. Well, I got to ask you, you know, whether it's about your marriage, whether it's whether it's ministry, whether it's the workplace, are you on the same page with the people that you're around, or do you find yourself going rogue? Doing your own thing. Philippians 2 says this. Paul says this to his favorite church. Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Having the same love. Sharing the same feelings. Focusing on one goal. And I know sometimes somebody might say, well yeah, that's the way it ought to be in the church. That's the way it ought to be in life. How many problems would we be able to avoid and how much hardship we'd be able to alleviate and how many problems could we solve if we would just be this kind of person that seeks to think and be on the same page with others. To focus on the same goal. I I want to tell you, Denise and I, when we first got married, um, we were different. Yes, we had something in common. We both grew up on farms. We went to the same small school. But you know... uh, her philosophy and her ideal, uh, her her goal in marriage was different than mine. And some of the goals and they, and this, this this the ones the ones that we were together on we had no conflict or we didn't 
we could we could work out. But it was how we spent our money, how often we would have sex together. It, it would be things like when we buy a product. My wife wanted to see every microwave in Mount Carmel. I just wanted to get the experience over with. I'll never forget the first microwave we bought. We looked at, every, I'm telling you, everyone in Mount Carmel, and we went back and bought the first one we saw. I swear you, that's, that's a, I couldn't believe it. Are you crazy, lady? And then years later, this thing is still chugging away and going, and we ended up giving it to somebody. It was just a, it worked as a workhorse. She did her research. I came from a home that said, uh, charge it and we'll pay later. You know, they talk about those easy payments. I've never seen an easy payment, but you know, we call them easy payments. And then my wife says, no, let's save and pay as we go and then we won't have debt. You think I didn't cause conflict? And it wasn't until I went, okay, after I bounced three checks in town, I'll try it your way. We got on the same page. I said something about sex and I saw some people perk up real quick. So, okay, let me tell I am, I am a microwave. She's a crock pot. I did not say crack pot. I want to make that clear. Crock pot. She's just a different wavelength than I am when it comes to sex. And as, and as a young couple, you know, I'm, I'm ready all the time and she's like, can you just take it easy? And I just remember fighting over that all the time. All the time. And has it changed much? A little bit. A little bit. It has changed much. But I noticed, I've, when I've realized that the goal is not to be in bed with her, but the goal is to have intimacy with her, that began to change my expectations somewhat. And begin, we begin to get on the same page. We, yeah, we still have our moments with all of those topics. M- money. You know, child rearing. I grew up with a dad that got the belt out, and so I would tell her as we were dating, when we have kids, I'm going to grab that belt and I'm going to whack it. I could not touch my children. What happened to you? You're a wimp. I know it was all a big front. And we had to have a talk about that. So what's the goal? And she'd say, well, the Bible says, and that's when we got our, see, the same page needed to be a page in the Bible. It says here, Tim, you should use the rod sometimes. You should discipline your children. You actually love them when you do that. Really? It says that? And because we have this goal of pleasing God, it made things a lot better. doesn't make it mistake-free. doesn't make it conflict-free. But I'll tell you what, it settles the argument. I'll tell you how it settles the argument, folks. Instead of her voice or my voice, it's a verse. It's a verse. Now, I don't know how you, some of you are when it comes to decision making. You're going to hear me talk about this next time. And that is that sometimes we're looking for a voice. Somebody to tell us what we want to hear. Somebody to agree with us. Or we want to hear God say something when we should be looking for a verse. Just look at a verse in the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures teach. I don't have time for that. Then why are you making the decision to begin with? You better make time. And look both ways, buddy, before you cross that street. You just run over. So this idea, uh, this idea, having the same goal, having the same mission. You know, uh, G- General George Patton one time said this. He asked his soldiers, "What is your mission?" And they asked him, "Why are you saying that?" He says, "Well, being able to articulate clearly the current mission was the most important piece of information a soldier could carry into combat." All of you veterans, is that a true statement? It has to be true. You want to be on the same page. So I want to ask you, team ministry, are you on the same page? Do you even know what your page is? Is it clear what your goals are in your ministry? Is it clear what goals are that God wants you to have in your life? Is it clear? I know you're, some of you are going, what are you wasting? You know it's not clear. They're teenagers. Well, wait a minute. I'm coming to you all too. Very important we get it clear. And see, I think you can know. I think you, I think you can be crystal clear. I know that. Campus. I talked to the campus. I've talked to people. I said, you guys know what you're doing? We're on the same page, Tim. And I want to say to you that I don't think you're all on the same page. Even when you think you've clearly communicated it, i got a feeling that some of you here are on a different page. You need to ask yourself why. 
Why are you having such a hard time? You need to be on the same page. You've got to be on the same page. You're going to make it. You're going to make any difference. When you are, oh my gosh. Satan trembles when you get on the same page. When you have the same goal. Is it clear to you? Not if it has it been clearly communicated. Is it clear to you what you're trying to do? Young adults, what is your goal? Is it clear what you're really about? Is it clear what you're really here for? Did you have clarity when you came out of campus only to have it all this hazy and all, all sideways? What's going on with that? As a young adult, what am I here for? Well, I have kids and I, I, I get a job and all this other stuff happens. And you're absolutely right. And by the way, we need to give you a little latitude as you're trying to figure that out. Is that fair? Would you say that's fair? That, that makes sense. You, you, that is hard. I think that Richard, he's got twins. That's all I'm going to say. Twins. Megan, twins. Wow. And you know, try, new job, new things, new surroundings, new group of people. Or I don't want to move. I want to stay the same. God never made you designed to stay the same. He wants you to grow and move on. Adults, are we on the same page? Are we really committed to being a church that builds a bridge to a better life? Or have we kind of forgot what our goal is? What is our goal? What are we really about anymore? Have we lost that? Has it been clearly communicated or has it been muddled up somehow in receiving it? Or is it a little bit of both? And I say to all of us here, are we all then on the same page? What are we really about? Because I want you to know, the world needs a church that's in the same has the same goal. I'm wanting to do a series on the Great Commission. After all, we're talking about mission. And just talk about what does it mean about making disciples. Getting back to even look at that again. We did that for a while. and Maybe, maybe we need to look at that again. This idea of the Great Commission. The, the mission. What's it about? And how, what, what do I do to fulfill that? But if you want to have chemistry, see, as a church or on a campus or in your workplace, if you don't have the same goal, you're going to be like uh, the, the Albion Grade School Marching Band. What's the Albion Grade School Marching Band like? I was a member of the Albion Grade School Marching Band. And this is how it went. When the drum was going, dun, 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 dun. We were all sitting in a row. You could have put a straight edge. It was perfect. Dun, 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 dun. Then Mr. Reverend would go, and we knew that means it's time for a song. And all of a sudden the drums go, bum, 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 bum. But then we started playing. We'd have us in the parking lot. We'd be up in the yard. It's like the awkward squad. What happened? Well, we just, we just got lost in the shuffle. We got lost in all that. We were marching really well until something else. And then we went on our own way. And I want you to know, having the same goal doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean we all march in lockstep. They'll get that. But like the cover in your bulletin, all those gears, all those different gears are working together. They're meshing together. They're trying to fit together. They're not saying, you need to fit me. They're trying to figure out a way to fit into everything else. You say, well, that sounds like, that sounds like people pleasing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about working together. And there's a degree of compromise whenever we do that. Number two, I've talked, I've talked way too long on that one. Number two, um, if I want to build chemistry, if I want to work well together with others, it happens when I make allowances for each other. When I was a young man, there was a sticker right beside the door of our foreman in the tool room, and that sticker showed a guy, on the sticker it's a graphic of a guy beating a guy as he's bent over with a cane, and it said underneath it, to err is human, but to make a mistake is against company policy. And I went, oh, wow, <laughs> I don't want to make a mistake, but we're going to do it. Nobody's a 10. Nobody's perfect. Look, here's a book that came out in 2010. It's called Why People Make Mistakes. Do we really need a book? Do you? 
I mean, look at how we look with how we look without seeing, forget things in seconds, and are all pretty sure we are way above average. Do I really need a book to tell me this? I don't need a book. That book would be one page. You are human. That's it. You want to know why you make mistakes? Everybody does. Nobody's a ten. Everybody falls short. The Bible says we all fall short. We all blow it. We all make mistakes. There's no no perfect. Nobody sticks the landing every time. And guys, sometimes good people make bad choices. <laughs> yeah, mine. I've been in business for Daniel. We're talking about about thirty years. About thirty years, not quite. Yeah, you're in the auto glass business. Well, there's times I don't know if I want to uh, CNW auto glass. I'd like to change it to CNW mistake factory because we crank them out. How fast did Henry Ford put out those Model Ts? Every so many seconds, man, we can beat that with mistakes. It's like we're always making because you're trying to take a customer and the office and a glass supplier and another person. You get them all together and they're all talking and. You know, this idea that the customer is always right, that's a lie. It's a lie. Because they don't get it right. And mistakes happen all the time. People break stuff, cut stuff, bend stuff. It's just, we, we get the wrong glass. I don't know how many times I'll go, look, I got the wrong glass. And you know, Ashley's on what happened, Tim? I got the wrong glass, Ashley. Oh, that's, that's going to ruin your day. I go, well, let me look here. Hold on. And that's our hold music. So we, come on, Ashley. Okay, yeah, you got the wrong glass. Oh, I know that! Well, what do you want to do? She's so calm. She's so calm. We all make mistakes. Office makes mistakes. Other people make mistakes. You know, and at times I get so riled about it. Until I make a mistake. This week, I'm working on a car downtown St. Louis, right by the stadium. A Lexus 560. I don't know, five, I can't remember the number. It's a big, it's a monster car. Beautiful black, not a blemish on it. The guy comes down and goes, I really like this car. I'm very particular. I'm going, are you going to watch me? And so I take, get the glass out. I go in my van and the glass isn't there. Get on the phone. CNW Auto Glass, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Uh, I need some help. What is it, Tim? Well, I made a. What'd you say? I made a. Are you going to say it, Tim? I made a mistake. I forgot the glass. You forgot a glass? Hold on. I can just imagine on the other side going, Guess what happened? Denise is going, what, what? He forgot something. <laughs> Guess what he's listening to? I know. Let's sing it together. Da, 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 da. And so I... Oh, okay, Tim. Would you like to do it? Well, Ashley, could you please have somebody run that windshield down for me, please? I'm so nice. How come I'm so nice and allow and give allowance and want it when I'm the one that's made a mistake, but it's so hard for me to give allowance and forgiveness when someone else has messed up and made a mistake? Am I the only person here that does that? Okay, good. Did somebody say yes? May your cell phone die. Okay. I know I do it. I know I do it. And nobody's a perfect... You know, there's always that guy. And you might be that guy that rubs people the wrong way. You might be that person. Or there's somebody that you work with, you go, man, they drive me crazy in your ministry. Wherever it is, in your neighborhood, you're working, you're doing something together, and you're going, oh my gosh, I wish they'd shut up. Or, oh man, they don't know what they're talking about. Or, or why is he doing it like Why did she just look all? And you're like, what do I do? You've got to make allowance, because someday you're going to need it. Someday you're going to need some allowance when you disappoint someone and mess up. Hebrews 12 says this, look after each other so that no one, so no, not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Well, how, is it, how is God's best blessings lost? Well, look, the next line. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. 
will become bitter. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble. Guys, let's just be honest here. Most of workplace drama comes from a lack of forgiveness. We're working with other people. We're working with other sinners. It says it hurts many in their spiritual lives. This can hurt you spiritually if you let bitterness harbor in your heart. It makes things worse. Look at the Colossians 3 here. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who defends you. Well, that's He's talking to a church. He's talking to Christians, wherever they are. He's saying wherever you are, make allowances. Forgive everyone if anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You know what he's really saying? Remember, you blow it too. And you need forgiveness. So you must forgive other people. So I want to ask you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning, when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you go this week, when you show up Monday morning, or if it's after church today and you're showing up on a Sunday afternoon and you're putting in your shift, you show up with an attitude that says, I'm going to make allowance for people because there's going to be lots of mistakes made. We're not the only mistake factory in this area. You work for one too. And just remember to make allowances for each other. Number three, when I work as a team player, I create chemistry in the workplace. When I work as a team player, John Maxwell said this one time to a crowd of 10,000 people. He said, can you name anyone outside of Jesus Christ who ever made a significant contribution to the world by himself? 10,000 people. And he's getting ready to say the next statement and hand shoots up and says, uh, Charles Lindbergh! Charles Lindbergh! He goes, what would you say? He said, he says Charles Lindbergh. And he said, well, that's a, good, that's a pretty good answer. Uh, you do know that Ryan Aeronautical Engineering designed his plane and there were 10 millionaires who backed him financially. He didn't do it by himself. In fact, Jesus didn't do it all by himself. He had the help of his father, his disciples, women around him. People helped him. Didn't he say one time, guys, would you pray for me so I won't fall into, into temptation? He needed help. He modeled for us that we're, te- we're a team we work as a team. Yes, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. I've seen that bumper sticker now until I'm sick of seeing it. But it's true. But I've learned it takes teamwork to make work work. Just to make it work around the workplace. And so, so I've got to, I, what I want you to see is it's so important that you recognize that you are significant. Oh, I'm just a little cog in a big machine of gears. Yes, but that little cog breaks down. Guess what's going to happen to the rest of the machine, folks? It's going to grind to a halt. You are significant where you are. What you do matters. Don't downplay it. Understand you're a part of the team. And we need a team. Now, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. Okay, now this is the worship team. Okay, so um, what I've asked them to do is they're going to, they're going to sing a chord for us. First, they're going to sing each part. So, Alan, you give a note. Doesn't that sound pretty? That's what happens. You know, each person brings... Are they different? They're all different. Right? Let's do it again. I want to hear another one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Something happened. What in the world? Okay, now. Uh, does anybody know... Who was off? Yeah, yeah. Him. He was off. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? How powerful one person can make a difference one way or the other. Just one note off. And it doesn't sound so pretty, does it? Are you the sour person where you work? Or are you bringing harmony where you work? That's what chemistry does. It works together. It works as a team. Now, by the way, I could have had one, three sing real softly while one sang real loud. You see what I'm saying? No, they, they listen to one another and they blend. They blend. That's what harmony is. You can Thank you guys for that. That was interesting. Okay? So we're being a team player. And, and in order to be a team player, I have to yield some of my way to make it work. Look at this passage here in Ephesians 5. It says, yield to obey each other as you would to Christ. Sometimes I have to yield. What's it mean to yield? It means I have to give up my way. Are you one that has to have your own way most of the time? Just admit. Think about it. See, it takes cooperation and adjustment 
It takes, and it takes surrender to make it harmonious in the workplace. It doesn't always have to be the way you want it. I have worked now with Gary and Alan now for several years, and when we first started working together, it was very difficult because I had my way and they had each had their way. And it was off-key for a while. Until finally we had to go, you know, in order for us to harmonize, I'm going to have to change my note a little bit. They're going to have to change their note a little bit. Now, do we, do, we, do we all agree? Do we agree everything exactly? Of course not. God doesn't want us to all be the same same. Therefore, for that, then creativity would be lost. No, I need, you, I need your difference. You need my difference to see things. See, there's some things I can't see that you can because you're different. You have a different view, a different idea, a different approach. And so together, though we may sound a little different, we can make beautiful music together. We can do beautiful things together uh, when we're a team player, when we harmonize. Look at what it says here in Galatians 2. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. You really want to help people? Selfish people have a hard time helping other people. They discourage people. And by the way, you want to help people at work? Lend them a helping hand by forgetting yourself a little bit. It doesn't have to be my way all the time. You say, but what if it's violating a Scripture? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about violating a personal preference. And sometimes we treat them as holy as Scripture. Huh? No, we just learn to bend. Learn to cooperate. Learn to be a team player. You need them and they need you. Galatians 5 says this, My brothers, God called you to be free. But don't use your freedom as an excuse to do the things that please your sinful self. Serve each other with love. And see, people of chemistry, they work not to compete with people, but to complete people. They, they work to, as a complement, a, a creative counterpart that builds harmony. Another way I can build chemistry, I can have chemistry in the workplace, I can I, I, and work well with others is when I encourage and praise others. When I simply encourage and praise other people. I've got to admit to you something this morning. I have learned to find a fault in everything. Is this something we do as we get older? Is it something that happens to us as we get older? We start picking things apart? Kind of like uh, E.G. Marshall in Christmas um, Vacation when Clark gets all the lights going and he says, the little lights aren't twinkling, Clark. And he goes, thanks for pointing that out. Do we, is that what we do? Are we those? Are we going to be like that and point out? Is that what we're to do? Is that is, is that the most productive way to be at work? You say, Tim, oh, you said stick your hand in the sand and not notice mistakes. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying, are, do you find yourself hard to please? And do you find yourself giving out more criticism than praise and encouragement? It says, when you do things, Philippians two three here. Circle when you do things. When you do things. He's saying when you work. doesn't say where. When you do things, don't let selfish or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Build people up. Praise them. Give them credit. Proverbs says this in Proverbs 15. It says, What a joy it is to find just the right word on just the right occasion. And sometimes, I, I want to tell you guys that there's been many times in my life I've actually been encouraged better through positive statements than negative ones. I got this, I got this uh, text at 8 o'clock last Sunday morning. Hey Tim, I was up early this morning and thinking. I seem to almost always think about this when you, when you preach, but I never say it. It's really awesome the way you always, you're always fired up to talk about God and bring Jesus' Word to us every week. I feel like it must be hard to keep coming back with excitement when even bad stuff happens with people in the church. Just wanted to say thanks and keep it up. Love you, man. That's from Jonathan Chapel. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. And this is 30 minutes before I start last, uh, last week's sermon. Now that's like saying sick him to a dog, folks. 
when you get encouragement like that. When someone says, you know, I just want to, I appreciate you. Thank you. You've really helped me. Now, I'm not asking for any text today. I'm not. But I'm going to tell you, there's some people that sure could use them from you. You just think about it. Who that could be. Let God put that name on your heart. I don't need them right now. But I'm, just, I'm not saying that to get any. I'm just telling you the power of encouragement. Jonathan Chapel, I told him, I said, Jonathan, I love you back, man. He goes, thanks to him. But I mean, that's just, it's powerful. That's powerful. You see, there's always a Russian judge in the workplace. There's always a Russian judge in the workplace. What do you mean by that, Tim? Now, if you have Russian descent, I don't mean to offend you. That was not a racist statement. I'm simply saying that the Russian judges in the Olympics during a period of time, had a hard time giving anything higher than a 1.3 in gymnastics to Americans. Just saying. 10, 10, 10, 1.3. What's that? That's the Russian judge. You could always count on it. She's, she's stuck this landing. It's going to be 10s and 9s. 9.8, 10, 9.8, 10, 1.3. Well, who is it? Let me guess. Russian judge. Russian judge. You don't want to be that guy at work. You do not want to be that guy at work, guys. Don't be the person that's critical all the time. I can Listen, I can pick apart last night, today. I can pick apart events, the bulletin. I can pick apart PowerPoint. I can pick apart my sermon. I can, I, I'm good at it. I, I'm ashamed to say I'm good at that. Where I lack is this praise. I used to praise people more. And I'm wanting, I tell you, God gave me this point, and I went, God, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. It's going to make me look bad again. But it's important that we look for ways to encourage each other. That we say to people, we, we believe, or I believe in you. And I think you can do it. I think of the, that movie Hook. When Robin Williams is leaned up, member, and there's the, the, the hook is going, because you know you're really not Peter Pan, but a middle-aged salesman, blah, blah, blah. He looks over at the kids, and the kids go, you are the Pan. And he gets this strength. He didn't get from a kid going, no, you're not the Pan, you're a loser. <laughs> Movie would have been over. He gets an encouragement, and sometimes, guys, a word of encouragement does wonders. One little word at the right time, at the right moment, can change a life. Be that person. Be that person. Ephesians 4, I always thought this was a passage that was against cussing. Look what it says here. When you talk, don't say anything bad. Well, there's a lot more other things that are bad besides cussing. Okay, thanks. But say the good things that people need, What whatever will help them grow stronger. Now, sometimes they might need a challenge or a rebuke. They need it. But I know people need encouragement and praise and credit given to them. He says, then what you say will be a blessing to those who hear it. So I need to be an encourager and a praiser. Are you an encourager? Are you a praiser? Or are you just a closet critical person and that Russian judge giving that 1.3 to everybody you know? Number five, I, I create chemistry when I listen. If there's anything, again, God gave me these points, folks. I don't like this point because I don't listen. I was at a at a Shell station this week, and and she goes, credit or credit or uh, debit. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, ma'am. I'm a man and I don't listen. And she just busts out laughing. But it's the truth. I just, oh, why is this verse? Why is this point in here, Lord? I know why. Okay, you know, communication in the workplace is like, it's gold. And most of the communication I'm learning is listening. Is listening. Uh, I tend to talk over people. I tend to interrupt them, even on a cell phone. And, um, you know, I know people that will spend hours articulately working on how to speak and get it clear but not spend any time whatsoever thinking of getting themselves ready to listen. To listen. Proverbs 18.13 in the message says, Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Well, okay. It's stupid. You, you look stupid when you do that, Tim. 
and you're rude to people. You can't tell me that doesn't escalate drama in, between people when you're interrupting them. He says two things here. A lack of listening creates it creates more mistakes and more tension in the workplace. That's why James says, always be willing to listen and slow to speak. Got to have that, right? Got to have that verse. Always be willing to listen and slow to speak. Do not become angry easily. Now, why is that in there? Because when you're listening, you're not going to hear, you may not hear something you like. Or you're getting impatient and you want to speak up and it's frustrating and you start getting angry and bothered. And James says, you want to know the secret to him? Get along with people? Try listening. Because it, listening, listen folks, listening possesses the power of communicating affirmation to others. There's no greater way to say someone matters than to listen to them. Sometimes people just want to be heard and that's all. They don't want a lecture or an answer. There's times I've, in my good days, I'll say, you want me to respond to that? And I've had two people say to me in my lifetime, no. Okay. One of them was my wife, by the way. So, Number six. Let's get this one done. Number six, when I keep short accounts. If I want to create chemistry in the workplace, wherever I'm doing, whether it be in church, ministry, it's to keep short accounts. The reason I say that, is, and, and this, this was really... A, getting along with people doesn't mean I keep quiet and push it down. Well, I don't want to create any turmoil, any trouble. You don't think pushing it down is going to... Let me tell you, it's going to create all kinds of problems. It's going to escalate. To me, this is one of the greatest problems in the workplace, in our churches, probably even here, is that we're unwilling to nip it in the bud. We let it go and drag our feet, and I'm one of those people, until it escalates out of hand. We're talking to people, but not to the right people. We're talking, we're talking about it, but not to the right people who are in the right places. And I know that you know we all experience, have experienced this work workplace drama, and it, it comes and that's when things get sideways because people will not speak to one another. Look what it says here in Proverbs 17 in the New, in the uh, Living Bible: It is hard to stop a quarrel once it starts, so don't let it begin. Because you, you don't, why get into a fight? Why not nip it in the bud, as Barney Fife used to say? Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. So what do I do? How do I do that? Well, I have the courage to believe God's Word here. And say, you know what? Before it gets out of hand, I'll be frank. I'll be plain. I won't be mean. I'll just be honest and put it out there. Listen to how the Apostle Paul encourages us here. He encourages churches to do this. So let's pursue those things that bring peace and which are good for each other. Do the things that bring peace. Look what he, by the way, look what he says to the church here in Ephesus. Be angry, but don't sin. He said, it's okay to get mad. Okay to be twisted sometimes, but don't sin. Then he says, well, how do I do that? How do I, well, a secret is this. Keep a short account. Don't let the sun go down before you've dealt with the cause of your anger. Talk about it before the day's over. Don't let it linger too long. Otherwise, you leave room, it says, for the adversary. You leave room for Satan. And Satan loves messing things up at work. You know, I'll tell you what, you need to bring your faith, one of the reasons you need to bring your faith to work is because Satan's there. <laughs> and he's ready to go. You know, Pizza Hut did a study years ago, Pizza Hut Taco Bell did a study where they, they, they found out that if you deal with a problem with a customer within 24 hours, you keep the customer. But if you wait longer than 24 hours, you lose 10 customers. So you want to deal with it. Let me ask you, are you one to drag your feet during conflict? If there's anything I've been learning from Alan over the years, is you can't drag your feet, Tim. I still, there's times I'll, he'll be wanting to run into something and I'll grab it going, you need to drag your feet a little bit here. We've, we've taught each, we're learning from each, that, that's the thing we've learned. That's a good balance to have. But you don't want something to escalate. And you don't want to talk to a bunch of other people. And by the way, 
talking to a bunch of other people and saying it's seeking advice is a bunch of hogwash. Let's stop. Let's stop saying that. Let's stop saying, well, I was seeking advice. No, you weren't. You're looking for somebody to agree with you. And, you know, that's where if you want somebody, you better look, you better look in the scriptures as to who to agree with. Is God, do I agree with God here on how to handle the situation? I mean, there's so many scriptures on this. Well, I just want to encourage you. If you've got a grievance with somebody, don't let the sun go down. Talk about it. You don't have to lose your, your cool. Just lay it out there. God will bless it. So, here's the last, those lines. What are those lines for, Tim? Well, I, here's what I want to do is wrap up this lesson with simply this, okay? Who is it that needs chemistry from me? That's why those lines are there. The reason I got more than one line, there may be more than one person that you need, I need to bring chemistry, my chemistry too. I need to work on this. I need to give them some allowance. I need, I need to get on the same page. I need to figure out what page we're on so we can work together. You know, if, if they're going the wrong direction, it's going to be hard for you to get them back in the right direction until you get in their direction and then you can bring them back. You know? um, it, it, may mean, it may mean simply listening. I need to listen better. I need to listen better. I don't know what it is this morning you, you need to work on, but I know that um, there needs to be more chemistry at work. There needs to be more camaraderie, more unity, and it, and it needs to come from God's people, of all people. May God help you do that this week. We're going to pray here, and you know what we're going to do. We're going to give you a moment to ponder over that communication card, and then uh, we'll take those cards up as we sing a second song along with our contribution. And guests, I want to remind you, you're under no obligation to give to this church. If you want to, that's great. We'll use it and we'll, we'll, we promise you we'll be good stewards with it. Let's pray. Father, thank You for today. Thank You, Father, for the workplace. I've learned a lot from working with people like Bill Doggett, Paul Lemke, Jack Snyder. These are people I just remember Orville Talbert, wow. I've learned a lot from, from a lot of managers and car dealerships and body shop owners, people like Scott and, and Bob. Well, I just I think about I think about some of them and things that people I've worked with, I've learned from my brother. I've learned from my son. Father, we, we can think of people in the workplace. We've worked in we whether it be our ministry, our marriage, I've learned so much from Denise. Father, it's just so... Thank You for the blessings of those people. We are here where we are because of them. And Father, I mean, that, that's a double-edged sword because if, if some of us here have relationships that are just bad relationships, Father, they're going to take us places we don't have no business being. Father, I pray that You give us all good people that bring out the best in us. But Father, we pray this morning You'll give us the ability to bring out the best in others. There's somebody at work right now, Father, we, we're thinking of right now, they drive us nuts. They, they just drive us nuts. Would You relax us, Father? Let us know that... Um, let Your Holy Spirit encourage us to love them, to love Him or love her, whoever it be. And Father... Help us, help us uh, be people that are as quick to forgive as we expect those who expect You to forgive us. Father, I pray that um, for many of us here, I, I think for many of us here, we're not even sure what our goal is at work, where we work, or even our ministry. Help us find that, Father. Help us seek that out so we can be on the same page. A lot of our frustration, Father, comes from that. We're just not even on the same page. And it would, it would make such a difference. Father, I pray this morning, help us be good listeners. If there's, if there's something we need to deal with, Father, that will keep short accounts, we'll deal with it, Father. Father, help us be praise people. People of praise and encouragement. Not to stick our heads in the sand when there's a problem. But, Father, to choose. Yes, confront those things, Father. Yes, we want to do that. But help us also see the good things that people are doing and the right things they're doing and the encouraging things 
and, uh, and reassure them and let them know and, and um, build them up. Father, some of us here, we're just so independent. We go rogue. We think we're the only ones that know what we're doing and everybody else is idiots in our world. Father, help us understand that we need those idiots. We need them. And then, Father, that, that if there's four idiots at work, there's really five because we're there, right there with them. We need each other. Help us see the t- be team-spirited. Help us be team-spirited and not be so obsessed with getting our own way. But if we're going to be obsessed about anything, be obsessed about your way and how to apply it where we work. Father, I know Janet... Uh, I know some people are sick, Father. And I know that uh, people are, are not doing well right now. And Father, I pray that uh, Janet McBride, Father, you take care of her this morning. She's not feeling well at all this morning. Father, I pray you know that uh, those of us who are closest to her will check in on her, make sure she's okay. She may have to go to the hospital. Father, I just pray special prayer for her. Of course, you know, Stephanie, Father, and and Debbie Weiler, and Father, there's so many of us here that are, are dealing with cancer, dealing with sickness and illness. Pray for your, Father, your will be done, and Father, you take care of these people, Father. Um, of course, we want them better. Make their bodies last as long as possible. Um, thank you for a cross between, Father. What I saw last night was so encouraging. I just pray, Father, you bless bless our campus ministry and uh, bless them, Father, with with just uh, lives that glorify you on the campuses of SIUE, Lewis and Clark, and Swift. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.